Welcome to our study. We have come to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. And I'm reading, first of all, from the New International Version. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And in the Revised Standard Version, it reads, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. In our program yesterday, I pointed out that the Word of God is powerful. And in today's program, I want to demonstrate by Scripture... How powerful it is. It is just as powerful as the words spoken at creation. We read that God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens, and so forth. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures of their kind. God's word is so powerful that it creates according to God's will. Now, when we read in creation that God said, we are not talking about some words on a piece of paper. This is the power of God being expressed, such as Psalm 33, 6 expresses, By the word of the Lord, notice, by the word of the Lord, were the heavens made and all the host of them, by the breath of his mouth. David, under the inspiration of the Spirit, tells us what Genesis told us, written by Moses. And Psalm 33, 9 continues this same idea. For he spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. So many of us grew up thinking that God had to work in order to bring creation about. No, he didn't. His word is so powerful that all he needed to do was speak it. No wonder Peter wrote in 1 Peter 1, 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Notice Peter tells us that the new birth comes about by the living word of God. It's able to give life. And in that chapter He continues, all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord abides forever. That word is the good news which was preached to you. And the result of that preaching was that new life came to those who believed. Hebrews Chapter 4, verse 12, claims that the Word is living. It's alive. Things happen when God speaks. When His Word falls on the fertile heart, a person is transformed. At the end of this age, we are told in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, that the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command. The result of this authoritative Word The dead are raised, and we will be caught up. No power or force can hold us back. That's the power of the Word. Now, this Bible is not just good literature. 
And we shouldn't treat the Bible as literature. It's more than that. We make a mistake when we study it as literature and put it on the same level as the writings of men. Because the Bible comes from God, it is a book of life, and it is a book of power. You can't ignore the power of the Word of God any more than you can ignore a hand grenade after the pin has been pulled. The power is there. Something is going to happen. And Hebrews 4.12 refers to the written and the spoken Word of God. It is not only alive, but it's full of energy. That's the meaning of powerful in the authorized version and active in the revised standard version. It means it is effective and has self-fulfilling character, as Isaiah 55:11 states. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty but it shall accomplish that which I purpose. Well, no wonder Babylon, Nineveh, Samaria, Memphis, Thebes, Tyre, Sodom, Gomorrah, and other cities were destroyed. The word came to prophets about their doom, and nothing could stop the destruction which God intended. Balaam, the prophet in the Old Testament, said, Hath he said, and will he not do it? Has he spoken? And will he not fulfill it? I like what James writes in chapter 1, verse 18. Of his own will begat he us by the word of truth. How? By his word. That's how new birth comes about. That's how we become children of God. If you're trying to become a child of God, apart from the word of God, you're trying the wrong way. The word of God is seed. And when that seed sprouts, it sprouts into new life. The Spirit and the Word are united. The Spirit gave us the Word, and the Spirit gives life. Where there is no Word preached, there is no life. That explains why in thousands of churches, people are dead in their sins. Jesus said, It is the Spirit who makes alive. The word that I speak to you, it is Spirit, and it is life. The gospel is life. It's life-giving. And apart from the word of God, we can't receive life from God. Salvation comes when we believe something that God has promised. That's faith. Saving faith. We have to hear the word before we can have faith in it. Sermons can't save. Stories, no matter how interesting, cannot give you life. Music might put life in your feet, but music can't give the sinner eternal life. Even when people won't believe it, the Bible is still alive and active. Some people believe it is God's Word only when it becomes real to you as you read it, and that's an erroneous doctrine. It is alive even on a shelf. For what is written will come to pass whether you read it, believe it, or destroy it. It's ticking away with the life of God, and only time will reveal its great power. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 said the gospel, which of course is the good news about Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, and 
That, of course, is the word of God. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It is like a dynamo, not dynamite that destroys, but a dynamo that gives power, sending forth God's energy to accomplish his purposes. When Jesus returns in kingdom glory on a white horse, as John relates in Revelation chapter 19, verse 15, we read that from his mouth issues a sharp sword with which to smite the nations. Why is the sword in his mouth? Well, that's symbolic language for his word. He will speak and judgment will fall. It was that way with Jesus when he spoke the word of God. And keep in mind that Jesus claimed that he never spoke on his own initiative. He was always speaking what God wanted him to say. And in Matthew chapter 11, he began to upbraid the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. And he said, Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it shall be more tolerable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you and you, Capernaum. Will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. What happened to those cities? All three of them disappeared for centuries. Archaeologists in recent years have shown us the locations of both Chorazin and Capernaum. And a few weeks ago, I was there with a group from Baton Rouge. We toured Israel, and we wanted to see the cities which had been cursed by Jesus. What did he say? He said, Woe to you! And they all disappeared, and yet they were all located in an area where they should not have disappeared. In the first century, Josephus tells us, the northern part of the Sea of Galilee was a populous place. There is this wonderful sea, full of fish and fresh water. Why did they disappear? Because the word of God cannot fail. What God has said will come to pass. What the author of Hebrews is describing is that the word is a living power that judges men with an all-seeing eye. It penetrates even a person's innermost being. It talks about it being a two-edged sword. The Romans had a two-edged sword. It was a small sword, and no matter which way they slashed, it did its damage. And yet the word of God is more powerful than that. It divides between soul and spirit, and it's difficult for us to even discern the difference between those. And it divides the joints and marrow, and it discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And in verse 13, the writer adds, And before him no creature is hidden, but all are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Now that is frightening. Frightening because... So many of us have hidden things. Think of it. God knows the hairs of our head. He knows our comings and our goings. He knows our thoughts, our lusts, 
and our desires. When it comes to prayer, he even knows what we need before we even ask. God knows everything about us, and he still wants me. Now, that is amazing. It's incredible. If a friend were like God in this respect and knew every thought that we had, he might no longer want to be our friend. Now, why is the writer giving us this? Because of the doubting Hebrews. He wants them to know that even though they may fool men by their lack of faith, they won't fool God because the word of God will test their very souls and their spirits and they'll be found wanting. The word of God, he says, is living and active and the radio Bible course wants it to be active in your life too. We'd like to help with our Bible teaching memory program. We have selected 16 verses that everyone ought to know, and we printed them on cards with helpful notes on the back to make sure you understand it completely, and we're giving these free to our listeners. Write for your set today. Ask for memory cards. We also have helpful hints on how to succeed in Scripture memory, and we'll send along that also. Verse-by-verse teachings of the entire book on Hebrews are available for your purchase. These teachings, along with some 30 other courses available on cassette tapes, are listed in our teaching tapes brochure, right for your free copy. It will tell you how to order teaching tapes. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.